0: Welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast, where we talk about using communication and the power of positive psychology to build a great team culture.
1: Hey, hoopheads! we appreciate you listening to this episode of Courtside Culture. Be sure to check out these other coaching podcasts on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court. Features and boards and the green light plus our nba team focused podcasts cavalier central knock a buck 305 culture spanning the spurs daily thunder motor city hoops axes and o's nba breakdown la hoops the wizards hoops analyst at the buzzer and lakers fast break oh and don't forget to check out our flagship the hoop heads podcast hosted by me mike cleansing and my co-host jason sunkel Featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. Hey hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the IFAST, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com teampricing team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot Hello and welcome to the Courtside
0: Culture Podcast. I'm Dave Grunzinski, and today we're talking to the head baseball coach at Denison University, Mike Deegan. Coach Deegan just finished his ninth season at Denison, and in his time there, he's guided his teams to two NCAC tournament titles and one regular season title, four Western Division championships, and three straight appearances in the NCAC Championship Tournament, the only three in school history. He's already established the best winning percentage in the 126-year history of Denison baseball, and he's already the school's all-time winningest baseball coach. But that's only part of the reason he's here. That's because Coach Deegan is also a master at developing a team-centric, positive, and organically developed culture. He provides weekly insights on his website, CoachMikeDeegan.com, and he's the author of the book titled, Let It Rip, Life Lessons Learned Through Sports. Coach Deegan, thank you so much for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast.
2: Dave thanks for having me on I'm looking forward to talking about the importance of hitting free throws after watching last night's Suns and Clippers game
0: well and and, and there, there's a lot there are, there are a lot of connections between what you do and basketball and other sports and the business world there are so many things that you have your hand in but it was your Twitter feed that caught my eye and we're going to get into the and into that the one particular tweet that led me to your website and then to you, but you've developed this formula for success that extends from the field of play and you're happy to share it with business owners, schools and other organizations. So coach Mike Deegan, my first question for you is this, what sets you down this path to become the culture cultivating coach?
2: Well, you know, I I don't, I, you know, as you ask that question, I don't know if I can go to one moment. Um, I'll first just start by saying that uh, sports in, in my family growing up and um, it was sports first and, and, and school second. I always say that and I say that with a joke, but everything really revolved around sports and learning and not just um not just you know how to play basketball, football, baseball, whatever it may be. It was all the lessons behind. Like I, I remember learning how to do math by, my dad would say, if Larry Bird scores eight points in the first quarter and ten points in the in the second quarter, you know, blah 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 blah. You know, how many points does Larry Bird have? So, sports were always the lesson and the vehicle to trying to create growth and development. Um, you know, as far as the culture piece, I, I came from Marietta College which uh, I think a lot of your listeners may know is, is uh, one of the, the most historic small school baseball programs in the country, if not the most, uh, with six national championships over the, over the course of their history. And so I came there from, from Marietta, played their coach there, and we won back-to-back national titles in 2011 and 2012, my last two years there as an assistant coach. And I, I took over the head coaching job at Denison University, And Dennison was struggling, um, you know, record wise and then also just socially and and on the academic front as well. But when I got on campus and I met our players and, and got to work with them, I realized that the talent wasn't that much different than it was at Marietta, and I'm not going to lie to you, Dave, and say it was equal. I mean, we had some unbelievable players there that went on to play professional baseball at Marietta; that those type of players weren't at Denison at the time. Um, But the talent wasn't the difference between going whatever it was at Marietta, 47 and five, or whatever the crazy record was in 2012, um, to a team that you know had one, you know, went 14 and 25. The the gap wasn't that big. So to me, I learned right there. Or kind of hit square in the face with it that that talent alone is not going to do it. It's going to be trying to to false, to, to, to create a learning environment, to create a culture that can sustain successful behab- habits and behaviors, and then ultimately let's see if that can translate to wins. And so that's been the journey. So,
0: and I want to talk about that 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 journey. You take over this team that's fourteen and twenty five, and immediately the next year. You win twenty five games and a division championship, so walk me through like how do you do it? you get on campus you you you, you kind of see what you have, but where did you begin
2: i think with with the beginning process I always I always tell this story um one of uh one of the things that that we did right away i will never forget this i it was my first day on the job, and this is maybe just a microcosm dave of 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 where this goes but um uh, we i had an assistant coach who's, who's still a, a dear friend of mine a guy named sean west and sean was saying he's like hey you know there's this recruiting event this recruiting event this recruiting come event what do you want to do and i said i just looked at him and i said um i want to clean the press box because we, we were at the field and the press box was a mess field was a mess i said and he goes no, he's like I, yeah but there's and i said no i think i want to clean i think i want to clean the press box and I share that story because I, I didn't know at the time. But what I, what we were trying to do right there was start cleaning, you know, just start cleaning and taking care of what we had, and and to not be so worried about the future and um, the talent we may be able to to accumulate. You know that, that that's not what that's not how winning organizations that's not how they behave. You know, it was like, hey, we got to take care of this. Let's start cleaning. So that's kind of what we did. That was, like I said, it was a microcosm of everything. It was from that moment forward, it was like, oh, okay, how can we be more efficient in our recruiting? How can we how can we run the best practices in the country? That's what I would always say. I said, hey, you know, we want to have the best coaching staff in the country before we, you know, no one will ever know it, but we want to, to, to run really good practices and, and build really good relationships with our players. So we started that journey. And then there were some other steps along the way, Dave, that I'd be glad to share that I think maybe is more of a structure of how we – how we started sharing goals and and creating goals. But it was that cleaning is where it kind of all started.
0: So when you see the cleaning, and I do, I would like you to expound on that and and talk about, you know, was it the goal setting that that really kind of paved the way for the culture change?
2: Yeah, well, it was – I, I, a former assistant of mine named Kyle Link was, this was probably after our second year. So I, I don't want to make it sound like it was all immediate. So I think, I think that's important for your listeners or, or maybe for anyone who's, who's, who's in a position where they're taking over a program or taking over a business. It wasn't, it, it's a journey, right? Like, and so I, you know, I, I, I think, um, People sometimes hesitate to get started because they think everything has to be aligned. So, like that's why I use that that story of cleaning to start because it was just let's start doing. But from there, um, a, a former assistant, he's with the the Cleveland Indians now in their player development space out in Arizona. Um, we ranked every it was 420 teams at the time, Division Three teams, and we ranked them all one through four, 420, um, which was a, a really difficult task. But what we came up with at that time was that we were somewhere in the bottom 40%. Coming off the 14 and 25 year in 2000, uh, whatever year that was for them, in 2012, they were, we were somewhere in the bottom um, 40% of all Division Three baseball. And we said, okay, can we make a goal that in five years – in five years, can we get into the top twenty-five percent? And and what that was was actually was the top twenty percent. It was roughly the, the seventy-five teams in the country that we felt like um, have a shot, and they're and they're in contention every year to be in the national tournament so in five years can we be one of those teams and then in 10 years can we be one of the 25 teams so we it was a six percent that could be considered to be one of the national programs to be a a team that's can can you be a, a national contender And so that was the first thing. It was, I, I always, when I talk to business, I always say the first step is facing reality. It's saying, okay, here's where we are right now. We're in the bottom 40%. We don't need to make this any better or worse than it really is. This is where we are. But then the clarity piece is this is where we're going. And then from there it's now we gotta roll up our sleeves and get dirty every day trying to make some things happen. So we, we kind of came up with a, a, a crystallized process for this. And then from that moment forward, it really didn't matter that we weren't that great of a team. It was just, okay, how are we gonna make this? How are we gonna make this better? How can we improve this? How can we, you know, make better processes, better systems, in order to create a great program.
0: So When you sit down and and you look back at it, what would you say, how was the culture when you got there? I mean, you look at it now and realize, oh, okay, yeah, the culture was kind of off base or did you know that right away? Did you walk into that and say, man, we've got some culture issues here?
2: Yeah, you know, and I don't want to, you know, they they were doing some fine things too. So I don't want to throw people you know, I don't want to make it sound like we're, you know, this, this knight in shining armor. There were some really good things here, you know, as well. Um, but I, we could tell it was off. We could tell that there there were some things that, and and, and some of this, David. I'm going to be completely honest. It, it's it's um being extremely fortunate to have been exposed to a championship, elite level environment at Marietta. And I think the more I do this, um, it doesn't matter what level. If there's Division One guys listening or pro guys listening, like it, greatness is greatness and. I was exposed to that so like it becomes part of, of your DNA like you know like like I I don't mean this and this comes from a full place of humility but I I, I was able and I say I in this circumstance only to use the word I but I was introduced in and in, in shown what it's like and what it takes to, to compete at the highest level and not everybody is as fortunate to get that exposure. So because of that like I, I knew what was there and i knew what i was seeing um in the, in the present in the present moment in the present job uh, and that doesn't mean that we try to do everything like them. Like that was one of the things that we had to overcome was not trying to be a clone of, of another program and me being a, a clone of another leader. I had to embrace who I was and that was part of my journey. But I do think it was just, it, it's, it, I was able to see like, hey, this isn't right. Like This isn't, this isn't how elite level uh, performers and elite level organizations do business. So I, we knew it right away. Like we knew that right away. Then it became, how can we do this in an authentic way? How can we do it in, in within the parameters and the structure of a different university, of a highly, a really high academic university? So that's where the growth and the learning took place. But we knew the we knew the culture was off, absolutely. And and then from there it became like, hey, how would, how do we want to build this thing? And and I I could go on and on here, but this is like my my sweet spot is and my passion is, you know, that takes a lot of self reflection. Um, it takes reflection of okay, like who you know who am I? What do I value? And then you create and that and that creates the awareness of saying okay this is who I am now what do we want to become right and I could go into further like what our what our culture looks like and what are the pillars of our programs um, but and and so that's it, it, it take but if you don't do that reflection which so many people want to skip that step you really never develop the awareness and then it's really tough to execute a plan
0: well here's why I think this is important it's because I think there are there are I'm 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 just going to say it. There are probably coaches out there who are struggling record-wise, right? And and they're probably going back to the drawing board every day and saying, I don't know, maybe we need to press more. I don't know, maybe we're we're pressing too much. I don't know, maybe we need to change the offense. But if they stop and look at the bigger picture, it may not be the Xs and Os that are the problem. There could be a lot of other things going on. Do you agree?
2: One hundred percent. I mean, I, I yeah, it, without a doubt. I I, I think the um, the default of most coaches, most leaders. Let's not just say that. It's um, it's the new shiny thing. Like in baseball, it's can we teach a new hitting style? In basketball, like you said, is there is there some intricate offense that we can put in? Right? Or, yeah. Should we start pressing more? You know, we to we need to you know run and gun. We need to whatever. Like right? It's it's that. Or or the other thing is you blame players. That's the other. That's the other side of this that's where most people default to it's either a like a a, a systems problem like we a, str- a strategy problem or or b it's jimmy's and joe's it's their fault and let's let's not kid ourselves like it, you have to have really good players and you have to have a sound system but then it becomes, you know. I, I always, you know, I I told you off air, Dave. Like my one of my closest friends, John Vanderwolff, is the head basketball coach at Marietta, and he'll always say it. And he, he's wildly successful, and he'll say, at the end of the day, it's, can you get guys to play hard for you? Can you get guys to play hard and be committed for you? And and so what you're, what what John's saying there, and is 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 very in sync with what you're saying is, like that's culture, right? Like that's culture. Like if anybody watches Marietta basketball play, it won't take it won't take you maybe through warm-ups to realize. The intensity and the commitment level to what they're doing, what their their actual scheme, and you know, and John will be the first one to say this is it's it's good, it's really darn good, but other people do that, um, but they don't win at the same level that they do. So yeah, it's 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 completely it's completely culture, it's completely buying, and then it's also you know when you're at the collegiate level, and I know there's there's high school coaches as well, but it's also making sure the right people are on your bus. So it's also having the courage to say, hey, this person's really really talented. But they don't fit exactly into what we're trying to do and into the into the into our culture, into our environment, and then being willing to walk away from that. But you don't need to look too far. I mean, look at professional sports. Uh, the the most talented teams don't always win. I think you can you can look right now. A really good example of that would be the 76ers. Um, there, there's some cultural issues there that, that are broken. And I, I know that sounds like I'm I'm going from a moral high horse there, but I think if you're if you're uh, in the space that I'm in and you watch enough, you can say there's some things there, and that's not being judgmental. That's saying I, I think that's their fix. Is can they can they work on that? Because I think the talent's in place to win to win championships. Well,
0: one of the things you know you mentioned that you, you you do have to have talented players. You do have to have players that can play. But do you think? I mean, in your experience, do you can you have players? that are maybe less talented but a system that is intact that will actually help to make your players better?
2: Oh absolutely there's I mean I don't think there's any doubt I I also think that that certain times there's really talented players that may not fit into your system and and they may go other places and beat you by the way. Um right? Like they I think we have to be humble enough to know that our system doesn't work for everyone, too. Like, right there may be better systems out there for, for certain individuals. And that takes some, like, I, I keep using the word, but that takes some courage, too. That takes some humility to say, hey, I'm not for everybody, right? Like, this system doesn't match them. But I, I also don't want to make this too esoteric and too perfect. I mean, uh, what what's the, the, the um, organization that was exalted the most in the NBA was probably the San Antonio Spurs, right? Spurs culture, Spurs culture. The Heat, the Heat, Miami Heat's the other one. Two, the premier cultures in the NBA. Uh, and both those teams can have down years because the talent's not quite aligned. New England Patriots are the same thing. Um, but I think what culture gives you, Dave, is the shot. The, uh, the ability to be in the fight year in and year out, if that makes any sense to you. Like, so when, while the Spurs, while the Heat, they're not at that elite level right now, I still think their culture allows them to be the best version of themselves year in and year out, where you don't see those, those like horrific dips, you know, you don't see the Patriots take horrific dips. Um, so I think that's what you're striving for. And the more I do this, I think the mark of, of greatness, the mark of high performance is how it's sustainability, it's consistency. It's how can I be as close... To, to, to my top performance uh, year in and year out as I possibly can be like i i don 't want i 't want to go peaks and valley, peaks and valleys. Uh, can you sustain pretty a, a pretty darn high level of performance year in and year out and I think that 's what culture does uh, if you don 't have the talent it 's going to be really tough to win at the highest highest level um, i think I'd be, I would be I would be being insincere if I said that you know if to, to win a baseball national championship, you better have a couple arms. That are, that are elite level performers. And your culture can take you so far, but it's going to be tough to get you over the hump without that. But I also think you can have elite level performers and have a really bad culture, and you'll underperform every year as well. So I, I hope that rant makes so, some sense, but I think, I think the two have to go hand in hand. And, um, and people who just lean on talent alone, they're, they're never going to get there, in my well, opinion.
0: Well, you know, I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying and I think the other thing that that coaches and 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 business owners you know leaders in the professional world whoever it may be is you you have to stick to your guns right so let's say you come in and you're I'm changing the culture this is how we're going to do it man this guy doesn't fit she doesn't really fit into what we're doing you know you do the cleaning like you said and then maybe you have a good year or two and then year three you're off base and you're like uh oh Ah oh, maybe we gotta change things again. I think when you look back and look at New England and you look at San Antonio like you mentioned, you look at these you know you you look at these teams, these organizations, and i and i have there are high school coaches in my head right now that and actually I've had a couple of them on the podcast who I'm thinking about right now who when that happens, they don't push the panic button they're all they're I think they always have their eye on the big picture and and that culture insulates them from those knee-jerk reactions and pushing the panic button and flipping the switch and changing everything all over again it, it, do you understand what i mean am, am i making am i yeah, making, you're, a making good
2: point? you're making complete sense and and so I, I would just push and just say um i think it starts though with the the reflection and the awareness because if you don't do that if you don't know your values if you don't know who you are at your core and your program at your core you're going to be at the mercy of of wins and losses and external external measures right what, what what the world wants to measure you against which in my line of work it's it's wins and losses in in business it can be profit margins in school it could be test scores or, or results so if you don't know who you are you're going to be you're going to be at that mercy um but i, I the only thing i'll push on though i do think we have to have the ability to once again look at ourselves uh, critically, to to evaluate and decide where we need to make to where we need to make some some pivots and some change of directions, right? Because I've also seen people double, triple down, quadruple down on certain actions and behaviors and cultures that may not be working, right? And and they get stubborn. And that's how you become one of those people who are fixed, mi- have a fixed mindset and don't want to grow. So um, while I believe in our core and our structure, you know, we have four pillars of our program that don't change a ton. Um, and I say don't change a ton because every year we try to add something in that, that may fit to the theme of that team. But I do think it's important to look and say, Hey, you know what? You know we're getting this feedback, whether that feedback is results or whether that's feedback from our players or whether it's just feedback from from outside people, or whatever it may be. That things aren't working well, so now we want to we do want to be able to to pivot a touch. So I, I don't think we want to get so married to this is how I do things. This is how we do things. We don't adjust, um, but we also can't be at the mercy every year of of implementing a new offense, a new system, or whatever. So I think I think like anything, Dave, it's a balance, right? It's a balance, uh, uh, but it. it it all starts with knowing yourself and doing the hard work to be able to reflect and analyze.
0: Okay. So I, I'm, I'm walking on the campus of Denison university and I get on an elevator and I look to my left and it's, it's coach Deegan. I, holy crap. Coach Deegan is on the same elevator as me. Thank goodness. Cause I'm a coach and my culture is terrible right now. My team just not performing the way it should be, but I've only got eight or nine floors to find out from coach Deegan how I can change my culture. Can you give me, you know, and you could go a little longer than an elevator speech, but but can you give me, are there like three bullet points you, you fall back on? Can you give me the elevator speech of what you would tell coaches to change the culture?
2: Um no, i don 't I don't know if an elevator would do it I, I, but I, I would say it starts with um, you, and i 'm going to be redundant here, but it starts with you you understanding who you are first you have to you have to do the hard work to to understand your values to understand who you are as a person because I think, I think the, it, it it does in some way start with the leader so if i don 't know who I am, I have no compass right i, I can 't I, and if I don't do the reflection, I don't have the awareness to understand my values. And you have to lead authentically. So if if you're trying to be Dean Smith, if you're trying to be Coach K, if you're trying to be Bobby Knight, like they're, they're not you. And I think that, is, that to me is the underlying problem with most people in their culture as they're trying to be somebody else besides themselves. And th- when you do that, you become someone who is – is always focusing on external validation. And the great ones that I know, know who they are. They know what kind of organization they wanna run and then they become steadfast in making that happen. So I would say, and and this is where people don't love to do that work. Is you have to understand who you are, and and not be somebody else. It's 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 ca- how authentic can you be? How real can you be? And then do you like do you to the fullest level? Be the best version of you po- you you possibly can, and then your organization and your culture will follow suit.
0: One of the things that I hear consistently. Um, from the people that I talk to on the podcast, is the importance of off the field activities and or off the court activities, and how they help to develop their team culture for the better. Do you implement off the field activities with your teams? Do you recommend them? You know, what can you talk about? the off the field activity connection to building a great team culture.
2: Yeah. For us, it's a little bit different. I, I, I you know, it's, um, we're at a really high academic university. So I, I always, I always try to watch this balance of, of, um, we we demand we ask a lot of our players times, and so we're going to spend a lot of time on the field. They're going to spend a lot of time in the classroom. So where does where does that fall into play? Um, the, the the you know the extracurricular team building type things. What we really try to focus on is really authentic relationships. And so um, to me, like we may have our guys for three hours a day, right? Then there's there's 21 other hours where they're on their own and they're in dorms and they're doing other things. So what we try to do is have really good relationships. That's that that's the core one of the core things of our program. So it starts for me with how we treat our players. Like we, um, you know, we don't demean, we don't belittle, um, we coach hard. We coach hard. That doesn't mean, you're, you're, you know, that that there won't be times where I, where I raise my voice or, you know, we raise our voice. But it starts with the relationships. And then I think our players then take those relationships and they continue to grow and cultivate those off off the field for us. Um, you know, we do some team building things, but I I don't, I don't have, I don't think, I don't have like this magic pill there. Uh, to me, though, it's 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 more organic than that. It's it's how we build those relationships and then how the players internally treat each other. Um, that's that's kind of where we focus.
0: How different is it coaching kids today than you know say twenty five or thirty years ago? I mean, basically, like back back to when when we were playing. Yeah. You know? I mean, how different is it today?
2: Yeah, I, I think one of the first things that I, that I'm seeing is. Um, I think it's harder than ever to coach right now. And so I think coaches need a lot of support. I, I, I you know, I told you off air, I, I worry that some of the best people in our communities are no longer going to want to coach. Um, there's not a lot ton of money. There's a ton of parent pressure. There's um, there's just a lot going on. And uh, I think one of the biggest differences that the if you were a head coach when, you know, when we were growing up, um, that head coach came with um, immediate trust an immediate, um, yeah, they, they, they knew what they were doing. Now I think the coach has to earn that trust. Before anyone's ever going to believe you, so just being the head coach, varsity basketball coach, at a, at a good high school, it used to mean the world to the community. Now it's like, hey, let's see if this guy's any good, right? So you're already building trust, and I, you're already your first step should be how do I build that trust? And that isn't going to be by being the best X's and O's basketball guy. It's not going to be the person who can shoot, t- teach you how to shoot the best jump shot, or can give you the best handle. I, I don't think that's the case. It's going to be the person who has, you know, the, the three C's, right? It's going to be the, it's going to be a demonstration of character. It's going to be the, a, dep- a, a demonstration of competence. So you have to be good at your job. You have to know what you're doing. And then it's going to be the last person. The last thing is, and probably the most important is going to be who can connect at the highest level. So, you know, if you want to just kind of think about that model, like that's the difference. I don't think you had to work as hard at those three, th- those three C's 25 years ago. I think as long as you were ha- had number two, as long as you were competent, no one was going to mess with. You You know the kids were going to believe in you. They were going to work hard for you. Now, if you don't demonstrate that you have character, and character alone is not enough. Like you can be the best person, but if you're not if you're not good at your job, you're not going to have a chance. Then the second thing is if if you're if you're just if you have character and you're competent, like that's going to take you so far. But if you're not connecting with players, um, that's going to that's going to hurt you as well. So. I think the first step for any new coach now has got to be to build that trust. And I think that little three C's mo- model can um, just be a, a somewhat of a guide for you in that process.
0: Let's talk about connecting with the players. And one of the, the other things that, that seems to be pretty consistent that comes up when I talk to different experts is now, and we've we've seen it a lot, you know, Kevin Love, obviously, um brought it to the forefront, but the mental health of, of student athletes and and players where, like how have you uh, adapted to, to that? I mean, is there, let me, let me just start here. Is there a connection between a player's mental health team culture and, you know, the, just their, their overall uh, playing ability?
2: Well, um, you know, I I could go in many different directions here. I I think, um, you know, mental health is, Obviously, very real, and we experienced it in a, in a heavy way um, with with the death of a young man named Sean Bonner. And Sean and his family continue to do work – or Sean's family and, and a lot of his friends continue to carry on his legacy through a, a a mission called Mission 34. Sean's number was 34 when he played here. Um, so, you know, mental health is, is real. I'll be the first to admit it. Now, whether, um, you know, a culture and a coach can – Impact that? I, I, I'm yes, they can, um, but I don't know if that's the. Resp- I don't know whose responsibility is. That's it's a responsibility on society, to just kind of keep bringing mental health um, awareness to the forefront, and not trying to do things like we used to do 25 years ago, where we sweep it under the rug. So yes, mental health is is, is very real. You know, it's and I, I do think kind of that's 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 the heavy piece now shifting over to to performance side. Uh, yeah, you know, the 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 better you feel, the better. You know, the the more confident you are, the better chance you're gonna you know you're gonna perform at a, at a, at a higher level. Um, but once again, I think it's a shared responsibility. You know, it's, it's it comes in many different ways. Um, but you know, I think for any coach who's listening right now, our young people are hurting in a lot of ways, and I don't know if they're hurting more than ever. I think people want to point to video games and this or that. I just think now we're just more aware. Like we're just more aware that people struggle and wrestle with a lot of a lot of issues, and the more transparent you can be and and vulnerable you can be and say things like hey i struggle with things as well. I think that does a lot of good because um look none of us go through this life's journey without our 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 valleys, you know. We want to we want to exalt all the peaks, we want to talk about the championships and and the, the social media highlight reel, right? That we put on Instagram or Twitter. But we all know that there's a lot of things that there's a lot of challenges along the way as well. So Mental health's real. We lived it first for you know firsthand, and um, you know we're trying to t- take a really tough, tough situation and, and make it better as well.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that you know story, Coach, and and you know you mentioned the the Instagram highlight reel and all this but the social media. To me, that's the one thing that I think kids deal with today that we, you know, we never wow. had to worry about that before. And, you know, and I, I've, I've talked to, you know, I talked to, to high school kids all the time and, um, you know, just cause I have a, I have a son who's in high school and one who just graduated and, you know, he's on to college now. And so, you know, I, I would talk to them and I would, I would tell them, I said, that's the one thing you guys have to deal with that, that we didn't have to deal with. I mean, I would, I'll tell them like, we'd go to a party, somebody would take a picture, You wouldn't see that picture, (laughs) you know. You know, it could be six months later. You know, you you know, because we had to take it to the Drugstore, and you had to get it developed, and you know there were so many other things involved. Where now, you know, you're standing there, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're standing there with your buddy, and there's a beer bottle in the background, and somebody puts it out, and somebody sees it, and somebody screen grabs it, and somehow it gets back to the coach. Now you've got some explaining to do. I just think there's so many more pressures put on these kids now because of the social media and and the microwave society that we live in, and the instantaneous, you know, gratification that we have to have. But I also think there's pressure put on these kids, the student-athletes, when you see so happy I'm committed to this school or, you know, so glad to be, you know, you know, and kids see this stuff and they feel this pressure. And it's like, when, you know, when is it going to be me? And they start, you know, having these conversations inside their head. And I think it tears them up. And then I think it, you know, it breaks down their confidence, which now trans, you know, will translate to the field. I mean, am I, am I off base in thinking this? I mean, this is just kind of my own personal observation. You know, what do you think about all that? And how do we, you know, how do we have, coaches, help kids, you know, get away from that, you know, get away from that social media um, impression that they get each and every day.
2: It's so hard, you know, you know, the FOMO is real, right? Like, um, there's some, there's some great, you know, articles out there on this. um, But, you know, the, uh, you know, you go off to college and, and, you know, you're looking at your friends from high school's you know their social media accounts and it looks just like it's the best right it's the best like you're seeing them at the party you're seeing them and maybe you're in your room that night and you don't feel so good and you're looking around going everybody else is thriving everyone else is having fun this is terrible right it's and and so yeah the the social media highlight reel and and i joke about it and and i you know have a pretty active twitter account and I'll, you know, every now and then I'll throw a jab in there. Like, this isn't, you know, just keep in mind, this is, this is the highlight reel, right? This is, I took a picture of our family one time, you know, we were hiking and I said, just everyone keep in mind that, that 30 seconds before this, we had two kids fighting. We had one that was in the river, you know, anyways, like, and then now we, now we just posed for this great picture, but it was a mess prior to that. Um, so yeah, like it's, that, that is very true and very real. The commitment thing is very, 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 you know, it's, it's almost become an epidemic um, where it's like, yeah, why aren't, I, why aren't I getting the love? Like, I see Johnny posted his first – he got his first offer. Why do, You know, I haven't got any offers. And it really comes down to – I think it starts with the family structure. I don't know what coaches can do. Um, I just know that every kid has to run their own race. Um, I I was, uh, you, you know, whether I, I wrote an article about this years ago, it was uh, you know, it was with Coach K talking about his time with uh, at Duke where he had Shane Battier and Elton Brand, and Elton Brand immediately immediately his freshman year was a first team All American. Um, I think he was he was either drafted first first picker overall that year. The next year, and Shane Battier was kind of a, a role player on that team. Well, then two years later or whatever it was, and Shane Battier became a national player of the year. And they both went on to have really good NBA careers. So, but he always said he says in there he's like if Elton Brand was com-, or sorry if Shane Battier was comparing his life to Elton Brand, he would have seen himself as a failure that freshman year, right? So we all run our own race. It all happens on our it not on our time. On if you have, if you believe in a higher power. It's it's on that person's time. Or, you know, I, I tell our guys a lot of times success in baseball doesn't – baseball doesn't reward you on your time. Like it's going to reward you on, on its time, you know. So – and that reward is going to come in various different shapes and sizes. But um, if I could give one bit of advice there, would be to run your own race, you know, try to keep – you know, other people are going to get some shine. And and a, and a word we have – I'll end with this Dave on this little rant here is a word we have in our program is a phrase called mudita – that um, that a, a good close coaching mentor of mine, a guy named Pat Murphy, who's the head coach at Alabama for the Alabama softball team. I asked him one time. I said, Coach Murphy, I said, give me one thing you're doing in your program that we need to do right right now. And he said, Read a book called Help the Helper. And there's a phrase in there called Mudita. And Mudita means vicarious joys. Can I be happy for another's success as if it's my own? And and that to me, is, that's like one of the hallmarks of our program. We try to celebrate other's success. So you know, instead of Um, being jealous or having hate towards somebody who's getting a little bit of shine right now, throw some love that way, right? Throw some love, be happy for them. Like it's your own success. And, And what you'll find is that by having that level of gratitude, that level of excitement for others, it frees you up. It frees you up. and and allows you to celebrate for them and then in turn it just makes you a happier person so that phrase Mudita is um, you know it's something our guys um, you know they they make fun of me about I'm sure behind the scenes but I think it's, it's, it's alive and well in our program
0: I've seen you mention that on your Twitter feed and I want to talk about your Twitter feed because I think it is outstanding and it was a tweet like I mentioned earlier in the podcast that led me to you and to our conversation today the tweet that you put out said, saw a kid slam his helmet, crossed him off the list. I'm joking. Actually, I thought, I wonder what's really going on with him. It was a really bad call. I'd be mad too. Oh, you didn't say mad. He's 17. His emotional stability will improve. Our players will help him with this. What I love about that is because I, I just think that I don't know, I would say better than the majority. I think the majority of coaches probably would have stopped at the slamming of the helmet. But I really appreciate the fact that you 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 said, no, 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 I'm kidding. Really want to know what's going on. You know, you don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe he had four flat tires when he got in the car, got the game late. Uh, Maybe his, you know, uncle's sick. Maybe, you know, there could be a lot of things going on. It could have nothing. And the bad call might have been just the culmination of it all. And finally he had to just release some steam. I love that tweet, Coach. Can you talk about that and how it all fits into to what you're
1: doing?
2: Yeah, that was that was a polarizing tweet for every reason. I got a lot of blowback and a lot of a lot of love. It was kind of you know, and kind of we were talking about you, you know, you know. I said what I said. I'm not going to let the external uh, external forces really you know uh, drive whether I think it was a good tweet or not. But what but what where it came from? and I followed up with an article about it my latest article on the website but um yeah why why am I so passionate about that 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 conversation um I, first off some of the best players and best people that I've ever been around have come with a checkered past um the, the probably my the best player I ever coached and and someone who I'm extremely close with and is just an outstanding person his recruiting visit was just awful it was awful um but he's a special person, so I it, I want to be clear. I don't condone throwing helmets. I don't condone you know what, whatever that may be. But have I thrown a helmet? Absolutely, right? I threw one as a coach a couple of years ago. I'm embarrassed by it. I, I didn't slam, I didn't throw it, but I, I hit it hit hit my hit a hit a helmet. Shouldn't do it, right? Should never happen. Should never happen. Um, I'm embarrassed by it, but I'm, I'm glad that, that, you know, the powers that be weren't watching there to to judge me on that given day. So I think it's just, it was just my, um, way of, of saying, Dave, can we, can we just not be as judgmental in life? Can we get to know people? Um, there's a lot of people come with different past, you know, uh, yeah there's there's a big thing in baseball where a, a parent should never give a give give their kid a drink you know never should do that, and I would agree kids at a certain age should be responsible for their own hydration, but you never know someone's story maybe that's maybe their parents there for the first time watching a game they're from a split family and they're trying to find a way to connect and they bring over a drink and then if you're gonna judge that then then shame on you almost right so I just it's just my charge to maybe get to know people look they you know not all of us are fortunate to have. Um, people that teach us the ropes and maybe teach us how to play the right way or how to control our emotions the right way. And then the other thing is with that is I I really believe that last line is you come into our program, I'm not saying we're flawless, we make a ton of mistakes, but, you know, if our guys see that kind of behavior, they'd get a hold of that kid right away and say, hey, we don't do that here. And, you know, I would do the same, and and usually we can correct that behavior pretty quickly. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I'm passionate about it because it's just – look, I come from a – I I view the world from from a different lens. I'm a middle class guy. My my you know my my dad was, my dad and pap were watchmakers. We owned a little jewelry store in downtown Wheeling, West Virginia. So very middle class family. But I was fortunate to, to be able to to surround myself with some friends who had had parents who were CEOs. And I may be a in a corporate box at a pirate game at night, but I also may play basketball um in the inner city and be the only you know be a, be a person from the only middle class kid there and the rest. Or you know, I hung out with drug dealers and hustlers and, and I learned that um, some of those drug dealers and hustlers are unbelievable people. They just have a different background, right? They have a different, uh, they had a different way of being raised. And I also learned that they can be jerks. And I also learned that that CEO who, who people from middle-class families also can say you're pompous and arrogant and jerks, they can be some of the nicest people you we'll ever meet and caring and giving. And they can also be really big jerks. So I'm not going to allow, you know, um, a person's like what kind of their color of skin or their socioeconomic background or what they do for a living or what car they drive. Or if they slam their helmet one time, I'm not going to allow that to be how I how how I judge their character and whether or not I want to be friends with them.
0: It's very well put. You know, and the other the other piece to this for me is you know, when you mention the words emotional stability of a seventeen year old, and and I, and I throw in and one of the and in, in, even on in my podcast page, I I, I even mention. So and this was long before I met you. I you know I I say you know the 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 you know the emotional stability of a of a of a fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen year old kid. I mean you know they're it's fragile like 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 these kids. They're they're learning. They're growing. You know I mean. I think that sometimes we want these kids to grow up so fast sometimes and we forget that they're just kids. I think we, you know, and coaches do that too. And I, and I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think that there's some onus on the coach to, to maybe have those conversations and maybe get out in front of that and, and find out and look at that. play. maybe, maybe who knows, maybe before he threw that helmet Maybe he's, you know, kind of moping around. Maybe he's, you know, maybe his head wasn't all there, you know, but if the coach asks and get it out of him, because maybe he's, he's not the kind of kid who will go up to the coach and say, Hey coach, I just found out last night, you know, my uncle's really sick and, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, I I think there are, there are, there are things, and I've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast before. I I think that coaches really need to understand the power of their words. And especially when it comes to their players, like you've said it before, like, like players look up to the coaches, right? Players respect the coaches. And if you have that communication, you know, and the coach comes up and says, Hey, what's going on? I notice you're off. You know, you're, you're a little bit off today, you know, I, I think it makes a huge difference. Can you talk a little bit about about that the, the communication between coaches and players?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's um, it's critical and it's really hard. You know, it's really it's really hard to do, especially maybe at the at the higher levels the bigger your roster. You know, but um, yeah, I think when you get to know people, you understand um, how their worldview has been shaped and what they're going through and you know there was a there was a you know we had an incident this year and i won't get into it because it's too close but um where where you know we had to um because of a person's circumstance we 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 looked at we looked at 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 discipline a little bit different than we would have maybe in a normal situation and there was a really good example in a professional level um there was it was in in the premier league in in soccer football as they would call it in europe um, where I, I, the, the guy's name is Clump, he's one of the best, you know, one of the best coaches in in soccer. But there was an interaction where um, he went to talk or give a high five to one of his players, and the player, you know, didn't acknowledge him, walked the other way, and the media kind of blew it up. And they're like, "What, you know, what's going on there?" What, went what, what? And he said, "I've had," he said, "I've had uh, thousands of unbelievable interactions with him. I'm not going to allow one poor interaction to to to." be the, be the way I discipline or be the way that I judge or view him. And I think that's what you're getting at is when you, if you don't, if you don't have those relationships, if you don't know, then, then how can you really, how can you really make that person better? And I will say this, Dave, I think when you take, when you, when you do this, right, when you get to know people, it gets even messier. And that outside world sometimes will want, um, they, they'll want justice, right? A kid slams his helmet. They want him punished, and if you don't punish him, then or her, then you're going to be seen as someone who's light on discipline. And you have to be okay going back to the original part of all this conversation, of having awareness and, and of who you are and the values that you possess, and then you can say you can you can go. All right, well that that I'm going to take the heat for this. I'm going to take the heat for this, but I know I'm making this person better because I care a little bit more. So. Um, I, I just want to make sure I put that in there that, that just, just having the relationships, it's actually going to make your job harder in some ways, but for the people you serve and the people you care about, you're going to make their experience and their life a lot better.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I, I want to talk about your website, CoachMikeDeegan.com, because you, you, it says right there, you're meshing the sports world and your world. And, and, and I agree with you coach, because I, I just think that there are so many things that sports teach us and and when i say us i don't mean just the players you know i always talk about the ppc and if you're an office fan it's not the party planning committee it's (laughs) it's the parents the players and the coaches that's my ppc i think the ppc if you're if you're in sports you could take everything that that's happening on a field or on the court and then take it to you because if you're, okay, if you're coaching high school basketball, you're probably a teacher, right? You know, or if you're, you're coaching a, you know, a baseball, a summer team, you probably have a job during the week, right? But you, I think there are so many things that connect. I think, I think the real world and the sports world intertwine in so many ways. And this is what your website is about. Can you talk about that for me?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think leadership leadership and, and, and so where, where that comes from, if you go back to the original part of our conversation, um, my my life, you know, it kind of revolved around sports. It still does, uh, but it's not just in you know, like like we were saying earlier, like how to shoot a, shoot a basketball or how to swing a bat. It's it's just all the lessons we learn. And then as I began to share things, like I'm amazed by how many um, people in in a, in a leadership position have have a sports background, where they're you know they 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 really value. The lessons that they taught in sports and and were taught in sports, and so yeah it's like you know run, running a a business is not that much different than being a head coach right it's really not and and being uh, an employee working for someone is not that much different than being a player there are you know we could go into like the differences and we could do that, but I just think from the macro view from the thirty thousand foot view they're 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 very, very similar. And so um, I have I have a lot of great friends that are in business and that's where it started. You know, just in our conversations, I would talk about some of the struggles that we were having within our within our walls and some of the things that I was doing and working on. And uh, really a great friend of mine named, named Chad Spence, who's, who who helps me with my business now. said, Hey, more people need to hear this. They need to hear this message. Like this will resonate with a lot of people. And so that's where it started from is just trying to find that synergy between sports and business and life. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's amazing, Dave, once you start sharing, as I'm sure, you know, as I'm sure, you know, from your podcast, It's amazing how many people come out and go, man, I kind of needed that, you know, so um, that's where it is. It's really a servant place. If you get on that website, um, there's articles like there's, and there's literally hundreds of free articles that are on there that you can check out and, and some will hit for you and some won't. And, and um, I hope um, it's, it's my small way of trying to leave a good footprint on during my time here on this earth and maybe making an impact in some way in some people's lives.
0: And then you have the book too. Can you talk about the book?
2: Yeah, I have the book, um, "Let It Rip: My Life Lessons Learned Through Sports," which you know is just an- another extension of that of that writing. I also have a, a platform called ClearLearn dot com. Where we're trying to trying to get some of the best thought leaders in different spaces together and and create courses that can that can help people as well. So, yeah, I would encourage you to check all those out. The website's website's obviously free. The free content, the book, pretty cheap buy on Amazon.com, and then the Clear Learn um, is is another avenue where um, you can support the mission. So, um, yeah, I appreciate anyone checking any one of those out. And probably the biggest thing, the easiest thing you can do is is that when you get on that website, the the, the coachmikedegan.com, there's a there's a button there to, to to subscribe to, to my newsletter, which is free and comes out most Monday mornings. It used to be every Monday morning, but uh, sometimes the bandwidth gets me at certain times of the year where I can't get articles out. But I really do think if you love sports, if you love leadership, if you love culture building, um, you know, there's a connection there. And it's a, it's a it's a great little community that we've formed. And I think you'll get a lot of value out of it.
0: Do you think we have enough coaches that, that understand that whether you call it what you want, mental training, positive psychology, culture building. I mean, there, there are many, you know, you can call it a lot of different things, but do you think there are enough coaches out there that understand that this is now becoming as much a part of sports as, you know, practicing free throws or getting in the cage, you know, things like that, the physical part and the mental part, the mental part, just the importance of the mental part.
2: Yeah, I I do. I, 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 no, no. Do do I think there's enough coaches that know I, Look, I I know there's a lot of people that work really really hard at this. So I, I um I I respect and admire so many coaches on so many different levels. It is tough for me to say like that, you know, I think they need to be doing this or whatever. But I do think that, you know, the new frontier or or maybe we're in the frontier right now is is um you know how 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 good a learning environment can you create. Um, that the mental side of the game, you know how can you um, help people think differently and, and think better about themselves? We talk to our players a lot about strong voice, weak voice right we all and we have both of them you know everyone wants to talk about Kobe Bryant you know like the you, you talk about the zero zero one percent and maybe he didn't have as many of, of the weak voice, but I think we all do. I tell our guys, I laugh at 42 years old. You know, I still go into rooms and and I'm, I'm still, I, you know, I still have an inferiority complex. I still, you know, don't walk in with my head up, my chest out as much as I can because that's my weak voice talking, right? It's my strong voice when I go in. So um, yeah, coaches, but I think we all can use it. You know, I don't, I don't always point to just the kids. I think we all could use it. I, I mean, if someone's listening to this today and maybe they're going into their, they have, they have to present it um, to, to their colleagues today, they got they got a weak voice that's Telling, telling them some things right now, and they've also have a strong voice, and we just say, "Hey, right before you're, you're, you make you go perform, make sure you make sure those strong voices last one you hear." And so, anyways. Yeah, I think I think we all could use it. I, I think coaches definitely could, but I think you know parents can. I think business leaders can. I think I think we all could use a little bit more of a turn to that because I I don't I don't think you know hiring the the star person from Harvard is going to do it. I think hiring that superstar that knows their values that wants to grow and get better. And that you can that that fits your culture, I think that's the person that you want in your organization. So, yeah, coaches. But I think we all uh, share responsibility in growing in this in this space.
0: Now, before we get you out of here, we're going to do we'll do a couple of fun things at the end. But is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you think should be mentioned? Is there anything? Anything else you want to mention?
2: No, I think you done a, I think you did a great job of setting this thing up, you know. I, I yeah, I mean, I, I, for coaches out there, I would just just I would just reiterate one more time, you know, work hard to be your authentic self, try to shape the best learning environment you possibly can. And, and grow and learn and, and develop as much as you can because I think if we don't model the behaviors that we want in our players, if we don't model that growth mindset, if we don't model um, trying to be continual learners and improvers, then it's really tough to ask our players to, to, to do that as well. So, no, I, th- I, I, I think that's really it. I think I feel really good about where we are in the conversation.
0: And What's the easiest way for people to get a hold of you? Is it through the website?
2: Yeah. I mean, you, the, the website that, that, the newsletter is, 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 you know, I'm, I'm pretty active with there, you know, I'm active on Twitter. Heck I'll give you, I'll leave my, my, I'll leave my cell phone on here. 740-350-2772. Hit me up with a text or, or whatever. Um, I, I love the best thing about Sharon, Dave, is that, that, um, has been the amazing people that it's brought into my life. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty reserved and introverted by nature. Um, sometimes the attention that, that this has received, has, it makes me a little uncomfortable. But um, I'm so glad I've done it because of the amazing people that it, that it has brought into my life. So anytime I get on a podcast like this, I, I hope that I attract a couple other people into to my world to help me grow and develop as well. So email me, sign up for the newsletter, text me, call me. Um, let's just keep growing together.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, if a knucklehead like me can find you and track you down, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure the smart people of the world will be able yeah. to do it. Now, now, Coach, one of the things I love to do at the end of each podcast is a couple of things. One thing called what's the coolest, and the other thing is called first things last. First of all, what's the coolest? What, I always ask my guests, what's the coolest place you've ever played, coached, or watched a game? What's the coolest, Coach?
2: Uh, for me, it was Fenway Park last year um I, you know you hear a lot of uh, you hear a lot about these uh, historic ballparks and sometimes like you you um you you go you, as you get older Dave you know you, you sometimes things let you down right and and uh going to Fenway and I got and, I, and it was through a relationship I, I I got some pretty special treatment but to be under the green monster and to be on the field and um and that was a pretty surreal moment for for uh as you would say a knucklehead you know from from washington pa to be you know at wrigley doing the things i was doing was pretty special
0: no that's that's awesome man. okay yeah i've been to wrigley and same thing you know i'm been fenway uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah no that, no yeah, but yeah. but yeah no i've been to wrigley same thing like you know you just i appreciate you know those old ballparks and you know even when you're know, playing uh you know, whether it's, you know, some of our, you know, the summer league games and things you play, you play in these cool little parks. You know, I love that part about it. Now, my experience with Fenway, and I don't want this to be any reflection of the lifestyle that I lead, but I never made it any farther than Bleacher Bar. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, we, were, we were in Boston for work, and so, you know, we went to, the Red Sox weren't in town. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't even baseball season, but we, we stopped at Bleacher Bar, you know, to check it out. Yeah. That's a that's a great experience, too. Did you make it yeah, to Bleacher Yeah, Bar? I
2: did. I did. I did. Me and you get along. Yeah, I, I could see myself there. Right there with you.
0: Yeah, no, that was, that was a great, you know, and I just think that that's one of the coolest things. And that so whenever I, like, I see Fenway now, I start looking for that little window. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we,
2: we were down there like prior to, you know, early, like noon or one or whatever it was. And to see the guys, Just yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a cool sneak peek of the field.
0: No, that's a great story. Now, what we like to do at the end is what I call first things last. It's the last thing we'll do on the podcast, but it's a list of first. It just gives our listeners a chance to maybe learn a little bit more about you, Coach Deegan. And so the first thing on your list of firsts, Coach, what was your first job? Landscaper. That was, uh, did you, uh, did you work then with, with the family business too, but was that No, no, no,
2: no, 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 this, no, this was just, uh, there was a, uh, a guy in town on the landscaping and, and, uh, and, and those, and I'm surprised they kept me on because I, th- yeah, th- there's some stories there of, of, of me making some mistakes that, that were, uh, yeah, that were, that were kind of funny, but no, just weed whacking, grunting around, just being a laborer probably when I was, you know, sixteen fifteen sixteen 15, 16 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood.
0: Getting that tan, too. So, okay, all this landscaping money you made,
2: what was your first car? First car that I owned personally was a, what was it? it see, I'm bad. Um, gosh, I, it was a, uh, a Mercury Sabre. Mercury Sabre, and, and I bought it, and it had a sunroof. I had to have the, the leather and the sunroof for some reason. Like, I was driving around in something special. But, um, yeah, it was a Mercury Sable.
0: All right, you're driving around in your Mercury Sable. Do you have that first cassette or CD that you bought in there? What what were you rocking to? What was that first cassette or CD? Do you remember? Uh, man,
2: I don't know. First, you, you're going to push me back. In that sable would have been, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an old hip hop guy. It would be Jay Z or uh, Tupac. Those were kind of my guys. So yeah, it was. Uh, it would have been. I'd have been bumping around to, to that, thinking I was cool. I'll tell
0: you what, not the answer I was expecting, to (laughs) to be honest. That's why I like doing this, because the answers always surprise me. Do you remember, okay, was Jay-Z your first concert? What was your first concert?
2: Uh, Man, you're really pushing on me. I I don't remember. I I remember going to – in southwestern Pennsylvania, there was a place called Star-Like Amphitheater. It's it's still there, but it's changed a million times. And there was – I I just remember going over there. I don't remember – the actual band uh, and and I and this was a little bit later I was a little later into this stuff so it may have been like a John Mellencamp type thing um, later on but I would have been like 18, 19 somewhere in that neighborhood
0: yeah no, that's that's a good that's fine like I, I think back to my like, I was in 7th grade and we went to see Men at Work it was crazy and like that was that That's the first concert yeah. I can, I, when I think back to remember and what's crazy about that is In Excess opened for them Men at Work was bigger than In Excess at the time come so. on yeah, it was crazy. All right, coach. Here's the last one. This is present day. What's the first app you check every day when
2: you get up? So when I get up, I so my email would be the first one. You're not supposed to do that, but I check my email, um, and then I'll I'll check Twitter. And and not to I, I have I have some people I have some things on there I like to check. Like we have players that are playing and. Different places, and today I had a fun one. We had a, we had a guy that's playing in the Northwoods League. That um, yeah, I fell asleep. I go to bed early, but anyways, he threw four innings and they got the win. And, and so, anyways, I'll check. I'll check and see how our guys are doing throughout throughout the country but in their summer games. So I use it for that resource. I use it for some information. Then I try to get the heck off there so I can get up and get my day started.
0: Well, I mean, and there you go. That is a testament to you because like you're you're still checking on your players, your guys are gone, and I'm sure that they're going to be coming back to see you and you know and talk about the old days you know uh at denison university coach it's this is just a great way to sum it all up I mean because that's that's it man they're like like it's that relationship, it's that culture that you that you, that bond that you've created, and I can't thank you enough for for coming on.
2: Really appreciate you having me. And, and if I could ever help anyone here, or you Dave, just let me know. It's um, it's a big part of, of what gives me fulfillment and happiness. So feel free to reach out. Remember
0: folks, if you know a great coach like coach Deegan, who's doing great things, winning games and building a great team culture at the same time, I want to know about them. We may even ask them to be a future guest on the podcast. You can reach out to me on Twitter at courtside pod one and on Facebook and Instagram at Courtside Culture Podcast. Remember, folks, build your players' strengths, find them all a role, and you'll take them all from good to great. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast. And remember, build the good in your players instead of focusing on repairing the bad. Find your players a role, each and every one of them, and take them from good to great. We'll see you next time.